Hello everybody and welcome to episode 95 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, the Keelys return with winners, losers and screaming, announcements galore, the Vita lives, and our book club looks back at a game that took over your living room and broke many TV screens around the world. It's Wii Sports. Let's start the show. EU, available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, be it Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, or Stitcher. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am every week by festive Mark Robinson. How are you, friend? Dave, there's like 4,000 things I need to do before Christmas, yeah. and there's like 13 days it's till Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like stress. It's, um, <laughs> Christmas seems to have come awfully quick this year. Christmas, like, there's there's a delicate balance as well between I think as you grow up between fun and stress for Christmas the fun goes down the stress goes up. This is true. This yeah. is true. But um, because I think usually what the the deal is is I usually actually no because I wouldn't have even done it last year but I had a good couple of years where because I I worked in retail and there was no way I could get any time off until basically Christmas Day. Um, I would have a couple of days off like towards the beginning of December. And that would be a nice little break that would kind of segregate between pre-Christmas mayhem and post-Christmas mayhem. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that that kind of elongated the whole adventure, the journey towards Christmas. I don't have that anymore. It's just, it's December and it's all guns <laughs> You're blazes. You're just sprinting until you hit a wall. Pretty Well, that's life in general. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just too many things to do and not enough time. But you know what? I will find a way, yeah. because I'm Captain Optimism. <laughs> yeah, well, if there's one thing you're known for, Mark, <laughs> it's reckless optimism. Oh, I'll tell you In what. the face of adversity. I am fucking... Actually, in fairness, right, like, at work at the moment, I have a couple of uh, colleagues who do like to complain to a degree that I bring it upon myself. It's like, I'm not going to stoop to your level. I will be the one to rise above your really? fucking pessimism. Really? Yeah. You? Yes. Mark Robinson? Yes, Dave Ryan. Right. Yes. Okay. I really worry about the mental state of people in your workplace if you're the ray of sunshine. Um, That's a fair comment. <laughs> I'm not going to fight that comment. Uh, How are you? Apart from the Christmas stuff, like I'm, I'm, the shopping is underway. We'll say that. I won't... I've actually finished all my shopping. I haven't finished it yet. Um, Big family. This kind of stuff happens. See... This is why you need to abandon most of your family. It just... Oh my god. Oh, so much cheaper. Let's return to our previous topic of discussion <laughs> and optimism, eh? That's not optimism <laughs> or pessimism. That's an entirely different emotional field. Uh, I'll say. <laughs> but, uh, no, the, the shopping is underway, but not a good and bad week. I uh, went to the big OTT show up in the National Stadium. Mm. Uh, 2,200 people seeing the... Um, as I believe friend of the show Barry Murphy said on his uh, excellent chair shot podcast see the Bullet Club fillet themselves for an hour um, but other than that there was some good stuff on the show quite enjoyed it uh, Brian friend of the show uh, erstwhile co-host went with me 
And uh, you should have seen the look on his face when he found out that one Timothy Thatcher is going to be on the show in February. Indeed. He was out in the smoking area when it happened, and when he saw all the tweets come in, he thought everyone was joking. It's not often Brian would get excited about Thatcher. You know? No, it's not. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And then the bad is my uh, my PlayStation 4 is officially dead. Yeah. It, I guess you had it back of, what, all of three weeks? It's three weeks or so, yeah. So I, I, I won't go through all that again. I basically got it repaired, came back. It was fine until maybe a week ago. And uh, bear in mind, you've seen where my PlayStation sits. It sits up on a table where nothing can hit off it. Dust doesn't collect. I dust that area quite regularly. Um, and besides, I can clip off the thing and see if there's any dust clogged in it at all. I don't abuse the thing. It's not on all the live long day or anything like that. Um, and then just the same problem uh, started to occur. My, my best guess is that because it was a problem that doesn't happen 100% of the time, as soon as when they were repairing it, as soon as they were able to get it to come on once, they assumed they'd fixed it yeah. and then sent it back. Um, whereas sometimes it will, like it will just start working again and then stop um, for a long time. So I rang them today uh, when I went onto the website. It kind of said, well, you've had this repaired before, so obviously there's something else wrong. Could you ring us here and describe the problem? Quote this reference. Cool. Rang them, describe the problem in detail, which I wasn't able to do before because when you're filling out the form, you only have 200 characters to explain the problem and mine was a little bit more complex than it, it is won't broken turn on. <laughs> which is true, it wouldn't turn on, but the specific way in which it wouldn't turn like, on needs Say 200 words or 200 characters. 200 characters. That's not yeah. a lot. Yeah. Basically, you can't get much further than it wouldn't turn on before, I sent it away, it came back, and now it won't turn on again. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I, I I explained the problem to them about, you know, it beeps once the blue light strip goes and then dead mm-hmm. and it won't come back on. I can try, like, I'll plug it out for a while, plug it back in. It will do the same thing again. Occasionally, randomly, it will just start working again. And what I was able to do for the last week after it started happening again was I found that I could power it on from rest mode. So I just never turned it off. I kept it in rest mode. But then it started dying when it was in rest mode. Yeah. So I was like, right, okay. You I need basically had the thing on live support. Yeah. So uh, I'm sending it back. I'm sending it with the hard drive this time. I'm just going to replace my hard drive while I'm at it. On the off chance, it's something to do with the hard drive I put in it. But uh, they were nice enough again. Uh, their customer service with Sony is fantastic. And they just said, look, because it's the second time this has happened, because it's still under warranty from the last repair job, uh, and because it's so close to Christmas, we'll just give you a new one as soon as we have received that the uh, the the console you have sent us is on the way to us. We'll send you out a new one. I've already put in the order for the new PlayStation Pro for you. So that's uh, that's that done. So yeah, uh, good and bad week. But uh, which and because you'd already just like downloaded everything to the yeah yeah, yeah. well not everything because I was a little bit apprehensive because uh, okay. I'd never right. had anything repaired Clever before. Girl. So I downloaded about a quarter of what I own. Just the stuff that I needed to play for Game of the Year and the stuff that I was in the middle of playing when it died. Okay. Um, so it only took like a day maybe of making sure everything was downloaded properly. So it wasn't too bad. Um, but I will have to yeah rebuild my entire library again which is an arse ache. Mm. But yeah, that's it. Shall we talk about some video games? Sorry, I was trying to burp. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Great. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Oh, what have you been playing, buddy? Um, so, I, I, I put a few more hours into Wolfie McGee. And, uh, yeah, kind of... 
a lot of what I said last week still rings true for me. How far are you? Uh, I am in. Uh, I'm I'm in the process of planting the nuke in the. Um... Is it the Manhattan? No, 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 no. I mean, I'm I've gone past the scene where the woman is talking sure, German. No, to no, the no, kid. no spoilers. I said woman talking. It's in the fucking trailer. Woman talking German to the kid. Woman talking German to the kid. Oh, Roswell. Yes. Yeah. You so, can say the location. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in Roswell. Um, so I think I even knew the locations of, of where it is before. Well, except for one location. Yeah. Well, I, I'm deep in Roswell, shall we say. Okay, okay. So, so you're right before, you're literally, the ne- like, as cool as some of the stuff in Roswell is, mm-hmm. you're literally right before it goes bananas. Okay, so. Like, the literally the next location is Mesquite. Right, so I should probably try and keep playing up until that point. Because but everyone it, knows the word Mesquite is what it, you need yeah. to. But in terms of it, like, mechanically, I still think a lot of what I said last week still reigns true. Mm. Like, the whole um, officer stealth bit with the cards, I, I, I think it's one of those things that on paper sounds you a lot see better. what they were going they were going for homage to old Wolfenstein but, but it's not it necessarily doesn't quite work in execution are you still on middle difficulty or where no I've dropped, you it dropped, down. It? You've dropped it it's just everybody seems to like it is yeah. bastard hard but when you drop it down and then you just you don't bother with the stealth and you just go in loud it's Pretty a lot much. of fun it is it's, <laughs> it, 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 there's, it will never not be fun to shoot a Nazi I, I get the doom part of it that. that I want out of it and you yeah. are absolutely correct um so yeah, like I feel the way that they intended for the game to be played, it's yeah, that's just gone out the window now. Yeah. I just I want to get through it. I want to see kind of going like, loud, run around, double wielding weapons, which is fine. You, you know? know, one of my favorite things about the double wielding in that is that it, you don't have to double wield the same weapon. Yeah, you can double wield different weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could have machine gun, shotgun, yeah, or whatever. I have a shotgun know? now, so that shotgun is cool, isn't it? Certainly, when you're going through the train carriage, um, mm-hmm. you just yeah. And I find is actually for once uh, it's a shotgun in a video game where there seems to be plentiful ammo. For that's it. true. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I don't remember having too much of an issue in Doom. I was fairly well. Stuck. Uh, well, I didn't. What use I mean a shotgun. is, there's so much that if you wanted to main the shotgun, ah, fair enough. Whereas only, in Doom, well, there's... no, I only never used a shotgun when I was against uh, a, like a cacodemon or something where mm-hmm. the fuck was too far away and mm-hmm. I needed you know a, a rail a chain gun or something. Um... I am enjoying, like, the general uh, story and the beats of it and mm. the general uh, kind of execution of Ro- Ros- The start of Roswell is cool and really the start fucked of Roswell, up That whole set piece is really cool. We saw that at E3 with yeah. the, the milkshake. Mean, that was, like, when we go back to talking about the whole kind of Man in the High Castle kind of concept. Mm. That oh, is very Man in the High Castle. That is that, that, that to a T. Um, and the cutscene that we saw in like the original mm-hmm. gameplay trailer where the woman's talking German to a kid or trying to get the kids to talk German mm-hmm. uh, that's really cool so yeah like the bits and pieces like that I'm enjoying, enjoying more like that than the actual gameplay side of things I feel like I'm just doing the gameplay to mm-hmm. get to the, the story side of things mm-hmm. which is like the complete opposite of what the way you usually Doom, or just of what Doom was and yeah just in, in general yeah. Um, so yeah like it's 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 fine. It's a it's a perfectly serviceable shooter. Um, I see what they're going with with the whole. Your health is like half of what it normally should be, and so you're constantly like BJ as a character. There's obviously issues there, but the one issue that I have with that is that it makes it obvious when you're about to come into like some sort of 
arena or, or battle area because there's immediately like two or three health pickups mm. and you're like okay I guess an enemy's coming around a corner you, and nine times out of ten that's the case do you think Jen just to kind of close the door on this um, do you think that well until you've done Mesquite and we'll talk about it again at Game of the Year but um, do you think it suffers from the same thing that for instance the Bioshock franchise does that if it would have the confidence in itself to like th- the story is good enough that it doesn't need necessarily to have an action beat every couple of minutes that you'd be fine with it being a more story driven game like that because a lot of people's criticism of Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite for example was that in Bioshock the first one is that a lot of the in-between story beats was filled up with fetch quests that weren't necessary for like or didn't feel like it was crucial to the story that you would go halfway across Rapture and halfway back again and then in Bioshock Infinite the thing was people were really loving the story but they hated getting stuck in a big open arena with handymen and shit like that it, every so often it is kind of they interesting to get to the next there is actually quite a bit of a parallel between the Bioshock games and the Wolfenstein games the one key difference though is that uh, Bioshock is just a continuous um, onslaught. Well, it's an onslaught, but it's like the Half-Life where you know you play through the story kind of in real time, mm-hmm. where Wolfenstein goes for actual yeah, cutscenes it, it, and stuff. It, once you've started, it doesn't pull you out for no, no. cutscenes. Um, and I do prefer the... Um... There actually isn't a single proper, like pre-rendered cutscene in it where it completely takes control away from you. All of, it's, all of it's in Bioshock Infinite anyway, for sure. No, well, I've think... played through that game enough that I'm pretty confident. Well, I think there's a few scenes where yeah, it does take uh, control away from yeah, you. You can still I... oscillate the camera. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's pre-rendered. Um, yeah. And so I do prefer that style of flow to gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, when the bits with Wolfenstein take you out and, and go into a cutscene, like... It, I get kind of get taken out. I do prefer just being in the game. Um, so you know, th- there are choices made that I'm not a fan of, but I'm not saying that they're necessarily bad decisions made. I th- I do think it, a lot of it is just kind of my own preferential taste. Um, yeah. But I definitely I'm not coming away thinking that um, mm. it's by any means like one of the best games that I have played this year. Mm. It's a fine game. I, yeah. I do need to still play a few more hours to see as you've kind of mentioned where it does go really off the rails um but just finding the time to do yeah, that yeah. Moment, so yeah um so you know the way mark this time of year we're heading towards game of the year we got to be catching up on stuff the stuff that's on the list the nominated things um making sure we're we're up to speed on everything that is current in video games right mm-hmm. so i've been playing grand theft auto 5 <laughs> uh, which is a video game i don't know if you've heard of it i mean if it's, it's in popular. the charts, is it still current? It's quite popular with the kids. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it won. We'll, we'll have a look at the Keelys. I can't remember. There was a Best Ongoing Game Award, but we'll have a look at that and see who won um, when we when we talk about that in a bit. But, um, yeah, I've been playing that a little bit because um, Dan got GTA Five there, our housemate, and we've been playing a little bit. And GTA Online is this kind of thing where you can't really play... Like, you can play it by yourself. You, you physically can. But it's not half as enjoyable without people bailing around with you that you can talk to and I'm not the guy who just will randomly go into a chat room online because that is the death of joy uh, talking to random people online um, in video games so having Dan back on it has kind of breathed new life into the game for me and I'm exploring different kind of stuff like my usual thing with going into jobs in that game so have you played GTA Online, GTA online much or 
I dabbled um, when it first came out, yeah. but it was kind of on fire at the time. Mm-hmm. And then first two weeks, it was in bits. Yeah, and then at some point, I left for China, and that was that was it. So, um, yeah. my key thing with that was just oh wait no no, I never played the PS4 version. I only played the 360 version, um, yeah. and then I didn't get didn't get it again for the PS4. So yeah, yeah I just. So, mainline the um, you know the way in the map, like, there are a bunch of different events you can drive up to and just join straight away, yeah, just sure. walking into the circle. That's the way I used to roll, but now I'm going in and I'm creating jobs so that I can be the host. Um, and it's only then, when you get into the actual job menus and the, when you press the options button, that you realize just how much content got added to this mm-hmm. game. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, both in terms of the scope of the jobs and the different targets you can set yourself. So at the moment, like myself and Dan are aiming for two very different things. We've already got a motorcycle club associated with our gang because that was one of the upgrades. Um, I'm working on getting a bunker. A bunker, uh, the bunkers in the game are so large that they, they kind of recommend that you spend an extra 70 grand so that you can get these little kind of golf buggies that transport you around the bunker. That's how large they are. And then those in themselves offer you opportunities within, like, the motorcycle club. So there are motorcycle-based missions to try and get you more money. The same with the bunkers. The same with, um, there's, you can become the VIP, or the, the, the C, sorry, the CEO of a corporation. Um, and kind of launder money that way. And you can get a mobile operations center that allows you to run, like, I think it's, I think it's drug running missions that go through that. Um, but it's just, like, going back on and kind of... I can see why Danny O'Dwyer released um, a short no-clip profile on Redneck Agenda, I think is their name, who are one of the kind of most active gangs, or crews, I think they're called, in the GTA Online community. And there were a bunch of people, basically, who loved Red Dead Redemption's online mode. And then when GTA Five came along, they just got lost to it. And they're all, like, kind of from all over the place, and they're all friends and stuff like that. It's a really interesting thing, like, just to see how people can bond over video games that didn't actually know each other prior to it. Um, And I can see how these people got so swept up in it, because... There genuinely is, like, you'll, you'll see people knocking around in gangs, you'll see people in the... Because we do the same thing as well in our gang, where we're all colour-coded and in, in stuff. New modes <coughs> come out so regularly, <clears throat> and if you don't mind what you play, they do, like... So there's an adversary mode, which is a bunch of different cool little games. And every hour or so within the game time, they change which one is what's called the featured adversary mode. And if it's the featured adversary mode for that hour or two, then you get double XP and double money for winning a mission in it. And some of the stuff is is really, really cool. Like, we've been playing one a lot called Stockpile, because one of my favorite things to do in Grand Theft Auto games is to fly planes. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty good at flying planes in them. Um, so what you get is... It's kind of like capture the flag. There are about a dozen of these little... uh, They're not actual suitcases, but they're kind of... uh, In the sky, look like suitcases. These kind of things you you drive into, you automatically pick them up, and then you bring them back to your color-coded zone. Um, And you do that as fast as possible, because there's like a five-minute or ten-minute timer on it. And... Everybody can, like, I can go into, say I'm the orange plane, I can go into the purple plane zone and raid one of the flags they've already stolen and bring it back to my place. So it requires, there's, there's a lot of coordination required just to fly in that game if you're not good at it because, you know, one wrong turn or if you try to get too fancy in planes, you will go into a tailspin and blow up. Um, 
so you have to be very precise um there's an element of coordination that goes on in it like is someone going to kind of circle around your area to try and shoot people out of the sky if they're going to try and raid your stuff um and obviously if, if someone starts playing silly beggars and you're a person down then you're just going to start losing straight away yeah and even within the stockpile mode just the ones that are created by rockstar i haven't gone in to look to see if you because users are allowed to create versions of these games um so i'm going in to see if anyone has made a bunch of stockpile missions but gta themselves have just or rockstar themselves have put up seven of them so there's just there's so much to do and that is just one of i think a dozen different games within adversary mode and adversary mode is one of about a different dozen umbrella terms for different styles of game there's a lot to do to keep it, it going it is so robust like it's not the more i play it the less i wonder about how it still sells so yeah. much <laughs> and why they have no interest in doing another gta anytime soon because it's, there's a license I mean, to print money i i do genuinely reckon at some point in the near future we will just get gta online as a, a standalone yeah Play the game box. is still like full price on PSN most of the time because they can still charge yep. it and people will yep. still pay for it. It's it's mad. But uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about something more current, shall we? Let's talk about the news. News on the mark. Nintendo in the news for another good reason. What a 2017. More of which we'll maybe talk about next week on the show. Um, Nintendo Switch has officially hit 10 million sales in the first nine months on market. Who would have called that? Ah, not me. Uh, Tom Phillips of WWE Commentary fame uh, writes this article for Eurogamer (laughs) and says that uh, (laughs) Nintendo has now sold more than 10 million Switch consoles worldwide in just nine months. It's an impressive total and one which will only rise higher as the Christmas sales season continues. For comparison, Wii U sold 13.56 million units in five years first of all i when you tell me that the wii u was around for five years i don't believe you mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it it really doesn't nope. like i remember being around a friend of the show Chaz ali's house when he first got his wii u which would have been you know over five years ago uh which first of all makes me feel really old mm-hmm. um and i remember like sitting down and playing zombie u again eh, it's all right yeah. Uh, which would does pretty much everyone's reaction to zombie. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but it will be very interesting to see how um, demand and supply. Yeah. For I mean, this switches. is this is also like the fact that it sells ten million units in spite of Nintendo's inability to keep yeah. it on the shelves is is quite something. Yeah, I know. Right. <clears throat> Even now, going down, it's it's hard to get some Switch games at the moment because uh, it's going down. Xenoblade just came out, and I was like, hmm, I wonder, am I might. Yeah, might know that I without a PlayStation for the well, weeks, Xenoblade, Xenoblade seems a little bit nichier than <clears throat> your Mario's and Zelda's. Sold out. Downtown, sold out. But niche is in like yeah. how many copies of it did they have? I don't know. Didn't ask. So. Um, because I think they've suspected by some of the very specific questions I asked them, they probably shouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> ah, right. Okay. <laughs> I asked them a lot of questions about the mini SNES, yeah. <laughs> or the mini SNES and uh, the Switch as well. And I was just like, what Nintendo said to you? <laughs> <laughs> I think they've cottoned on to my game now. Yeah. But uh, Did 10 you million. Did you have a podcast? 10 million, no, because I'm not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're speaking to Dave Ryan from Link to the Cast. I'll have you know. 
Here's my card. Why I don't have, we not, have a card. Why have we not made business cards yet? Why have we not <laughs> gone... Why, tell you, first of all, why did we not go to any of the fucking games expos in Dublin? And why did we not take business cards? Because we're not awful people, that's why. <laughs> and, well, that's the answer to the second one for sure. Okay. I'm not so sure, but I think we're just lazy for the first one, why we didn't go to any of the, <laughs> the expos. In fairness, the first one was a complete trash fire. Um, the 8-bit one or the Dublin... Games. The gone. one where, like, they the uh, one where we they were sold have too to many buy tickets. tickets. Uh, the the one they sold too many tickets, but not actually like. Uh, no, just like it. People couldn't get in because they'd be queuing for like eight oh, hours. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, I think I remember. I think we read that out. We on the did. Show. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, good good news for Nintendo there. Um, we're probably gonna do um, like we did a couple of Christmases ago, do a mini so just before Christmas with the the rush that's on. So we're thinking about doing a year in review for Nintendo because it doesn't really fit anywhere in the game of the year. But we need to gonna give them their kudos for Jesus. I've never seen a ship turned around as amazingly as uh, fair fucks to him. Yeah, uh-huh. in fairness. So more on that and on. Moving on, papers, please. It's a game that people enjoy. <laughs> I saw this tweet earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's getting a port now. You might say, Mark, Papers Please would be great on the Switch, wouldn't you? I, I mean, I would say many things about games being yeah. great on the Switch. That is not the portable console no. Papers Please is coming to. It is coming to the PlayStation Vita. Oh boy! Uh, over four years after it came out on PC, superb dystopian document thriller, which is a great phrase. Yeah, Papers Please launches on. Wait for it. The Vita. I really, really like Papers, Please. Um, I go back to it every now and again. Uh, it's kind of like, did you play... Um, well, first of all, did you play Papers, Please? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you play a game last year called Reigns? No. You that, told me about it. We talked about it on We here. did, yeah. So they're, they're kind of similar, but they go into sort of very different directions. Um, well, actually, the gameplay mechanic is quite different. But um, I really, really, really like Papers, Please. Uh, it's Obviously, it goes by saying that it would be... It would be great on mobile, uh, and it would be great on portable devices. Um, uh, sure, put it on the Vita, why not? It's hot on the heels, uh, by the way, of the announcements of both Romancing Saga 2 and Stardew Valley for the Vita as well. Oh, man. I mean, so, only about a year late with that. It's such a shame. Like, I liked my Vita I quite do. a bit for a while. I, I, I don't think I used my Vita as much as I could have. To be honest... My PlayStation Vita basically became a spelunky machine mm. uh, at a certain point. Well, that was mine was an indie machine after yeah. Sony first party completely abandoned it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, like, oh, Jesus, did I play some Fez on that thing? Is this like... <laughs> uh, will, will Sony just not give up the ghost? No, <laughs> no they won't. But at the same time... Should we still get Geo Corsi every no, year no. At, at, at E3 with the Vita in yeah, his Yeah, I, I, I know, I know. It's his bit. But is it like, <laughs> they're not going to kill it, but they're also not going to support it. Yeah, they're yeah. just going to leave it in some just sort of... Just leave it wither on the vine. Weird state of in limbo. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's an interesting marketing tactic. Yeah. Like, no one else has gone for that tactic, you know. And... Sure. Speaking of dead things, Segway Medieval is back. Again, yeah. I saw a tweet and went, all right. Sony is resurrecting Medieval for PlayStation 4 in 2018. A 4K remastered version of the cult okay. classic PlayStation now, game let's... was announced at the end of the PlayStation Experience keynote. Let's let's just clear this up, first of all. Uh-huh. Have you played Medieval? I played it when it came out. So I, Same. Yeah. yeah, I play. I think I had it on demo and I actually played the game at some point as well. Now, 
I liked Medieval. It had a charm to it. It's yeah. not exactly what I'd call like you know, it, 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 cutting edge gameplay. No, um, it's not exactly a game where I'm thinking about what would I like to see re-released in 2017. That's mm. not you know up on the list, is yeah. it? It's kind of like here's a bunch of uh, pro- properties that were on the original PlayStation mm. on a dartboard. <laughs> throw. Oh, it's Land of the Medieval. Sure, yeah. why not? I played a lot of my friend's house that lives around the corner from here. His family still live there, and. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I, I enjoyed it then um, yeah it wouldn't be near the top of the list of when I think of stuff that I'd like from the place, the original Playstation coming back Like when I, it, I, I would have had Crash top the list like not because I loved Crash or anything like that but just because that's the obvious fucking one uh, and then the other two that haven't been kind of fully rebooted yet that I would think I would like to see a siphon filter reboot just because that, that was my jam when are we getting and G Spyro. Police when are we getting Cooler World alright <laughs> Spyro man that's... when are we getting Pandemonium <laughs> Right, fucking pandemonium. When you want to talk to me about side-scrolling platformers, all right. <laughs> it's not when but, I want to talk to you. Is that you always want to talk about? <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. The spiral one. Well, no, because because the the Activision situation. Yeah, I was going to say is, that one's a little bit tricky. more tricky. It would have to be. Uh... Though I wouldn't be. I, I'm stunned that Activision haven't just gone ahead and made because well, he's in. Skylanders, he's, a pro- he's one of the main the characters exactly. in Skylanders, so, so as long as they're still squeezing a few dollars out of that, although, like, that section, I don't know if you've noticed, in game retailers, the Sky has the got, Toys to Life section in general has got contracting, yep. which is weird, because the video game section isn't growing, it's the loot it's section loot. that's overgrowing yep. it. Yep, 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 yep. Those Funko Pops, man. If you want to see, like, where the industry is going, just go into your local GameStop. <laughs> just ask Funko Pop. Well, uh, that's, that's, that's a bigger issue mm-hmm. um yeah anyway anyway moving on uh the keelys as we call them jeff keely's game awards were were on this week so for those of you who don't know jeff keely is kind of this <clears throat> a lot of podcasts describe him uh, this literally i think three podcasts i listened to this week describe him as a very strange figure in video games and it's true because he's not a journalist nope he's not an industry rep nope but he does media around video games while working with developers yeah sure you know so like he used to do there's just some really good stuff he did on the last days of half-life i think it was and the last days of portal and he's done some like short form documentary stuff and um, the, the thing as well was he also gets a, a bit of a bad rep because there was that meme that went around for a while where there was him with like the bag of the retos yeah yeah and that whole, th- yeah, 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 yeah yeah and uh, fair enough i remember at the time the bombcast talked about that for an hour yeah because that was kind of where the origins of, <laughs> of ethics and video games came from and before gamergate and yeah. blah 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 because i remember me and russ on my old podcast analog shtick uh, I remember we we talked about that at the time, um, and I think like he gets a bit of an unfair rep for that because yeah. he clearly is very passionate about video games. Yeah. Um, now his parody account on Twitter uh, is is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, he he, he is on an island to himself. <clears throat> he's not. I think the crucial thing that makes it kind of okay where he sits is that he's not an editorial. No. Like, he's not going around writing reviews for IGN. No. You know, so... But he's not a full-on, like, PR man. He's just, like... No. He is just basically a spokesperson for video games. Yeah, he, he is. And uh, Patrick Klepek of Waypoint, I think it was, said it best. If Jeff Keighley wasn't doing Jeff Keighley's job, someone would. And you would trust Jeff Keighley to do Jeff Keighley's job more than most people. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. Um, there was a long time in video games where we were like, oh God, if only we could get corporate sponsorship of like Doritos or Mountain Dew in so that we wouldn't have to depend on advertiser money for sponsorship. Uh-huh. Case in point, the Jeff Gersman, Kane and Lynch 
thing at GameSpot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, people were crying out for if only we can get proper brands involved in gaming so that we don't have to worry about this. And now that they are, everyone's like, ew. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, Jeff, Curley, Jeff, Jeff Keighley would be necessary to exist. And, and, he does and the thing good. is, is like, as much as seeing corporate branding on shit is, yeah. is what it is, uh, certainly when it comes to like um, capitalism and just American yeah. culture and business... That's just the way it is. This is part and parcel. Exactly. And, um, I do believe that he genuinely has this mission to get games taken seriously and the, the awards are part of that. Yes, like that absolutely. They are an art form and, and stuff like that. So we have the, the awards this year. There was many kind of reveals on it, which we'll talk about in the stories afterwards, but I'm going to run through. I was going to point out, what other than the fuck the Oscar speech, <laughs> I haven't seen <laughs> anything to do with the Keeleys. I don't okay. know who won what. Okay. I am. Well, sit back relax and uh, I will I will guide you through All right. we'll do like we do when we read out awards on the show always like we do with the Keedies every year we'll read them out if you have any thoughts on what you would have preferred to win that category or what you think of the, the game that did win the category sure we shall talk it out um, so starting out with um, the I think the one that Mark was looking closest at the Chinese Fan Game Award was won <laughs> by JX3HD I'm not even reading out the uh, the the there's only one nominee in there I recognise, and it's Monument Valley 2. Now, do we have this in our categories for IL Game of the Year? Um, we? Well, I can't reveal, can I? No, 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 fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, the, cool. The best esports team was won by Cloud9. Again, not going to get into the nominees for that because I don't think anyone listening to this, and definitely not the two of us, will recognise who that is. Uh, best esports player was won by Faker. Uh, best esports game Overwatch which is no real surprise to me because that has a kind of like a broad based appeal outside of esports um, just can you wake me up in like five minutes when you're done with all of these uh, trending gamer uh, what the fuck does that even mean so this is kind of like the person in the game space who has been kind of like a huge viral success in the year oh fuck off um, so like I- I've told Biscuit won it one year uh Greg Miller. And look how that fucking turned we out. We talked about Greg Miller won it the year he did the speech about why am I getting an award and not the pe- the person who designs a bush in Rise of the Tomb Raider, <laughs> which was like a, a, just a hilarious speech. Yeah, yeah. Fair, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, it was won by Doctor Disrespect, who I looked into, and he's this ridiculous esports guy, but he's a parody esports guy. So he does esports. I don't. From need- what I can tell, but what he do- what he does is he dresses and acts like the most. SNL version of an esports player ever. Uh, you just need to Google Doctor Disrespect. Do you and know see... what I don't need, Dave? And that is a, an esports <laughs> player who is meta. And then the the final fan choice awards before we get into the serious awards. This is kind of a weird category for me. Always most anticipated it's game. A, it's a dumb. It's a very fucking... strange one. I think it's a, maybe an excuse to get. Uh, occasionally, we'll get a trailer for the most anticipated game on the show. Uh, we didn't this year. Do you know what this award should be called? Us. Do you know what this award should be called? The game you are most going to be disappointed by when it comes out. <laughs> uh, best did. Now we're into No the, Man's Sky presents. Now we're into the actual panel awards, and the it, <laughs> No Man's Sky did win that category. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, so now the the panel awards, uh, they basically send out ballots like they do with the Oscars. They send out ballots to people, and it's games journalists. I know Waypoint got theirs. Giant Bomb, Gamespot, IGN. Polygon. It's basically um, the Observer kind of Awards, but for yeah, games. Easy Allies got some. Easy Allies were actually heavily involved in it because Kyle Bossman um, interviewed Jeff Keighley on the pre-show, and it was a pretty decent. Interview. Do you know what we need to do? We need to get Jeff on the show. 
so we Keely. can get our nominations in for next <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Jeff Keighley's answer my phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> the best debut indie game. The nominees were Slime Rancher, Mr. Shifty, Hollow Knight. Which have you played Hollow Knight yet? I still haven't. Because that is. I'm so, for... I saw a clip and I was like, that is so Mark. I'm waiting for it to come out on the Switch. Yeah, and then yeah, Golf Story and the winner Cuphead. Of course, the winner is Cuphead. Uh, the Student Game Award, which is just like uh, universities that have game design programs submit. That's uh, good for the award. Yeah. It's a pretty cool idea. Uh, Level Squared from Swinburne University. Um, fair play to them. Best Multiplayer, the nominees. Splatoon 2, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Fortnite, Destiny 2, Call of Duty, WW2. And the winner, to the surprise of absolutely no one, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Uh, we also got a trailer around that point in the show for the desert map, which launched this week in now, the, this on kind the of, test servers. This comes into a whole discussion we had last week about, you know, is this game eligible for any award besides, um, like, best unfinished game or whatever, yeah. you know? The Keelys took a couple of different calls because I also don't think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is eligible for new game awards because it no, is it's a deluxe a version. Poor. Which is why like a couple of ye had nominated it for different things in there and I struck it off because it doesn't count. Mm. I have to be consistent in the way we've always done it so I have to get rid of it. It is in the category that it should have been nominated for but it's not in like someone had it down for game of the year. <laughs> and I was just like that is a nice moonshot but uh <laughs> Not happening. Um, moving on. Uh, best sports racing game. The nominees. Project Cars 2. Pro Evo 2018. NBA 2K18. Gran Turismo Sport. Ha ha ha. Uh, FIFA 18. And Forza Motorsport 7 was the winner. Which is amazing. Because I've heard nothing but shit talk about that. I barely even registered that it's a thing. Best strategy game. Uh, XCOM 2. Or nominees were XCOM 2. War of the Chosen, Tooth and Tail, Total War, Warhammer 2, Halo Wars 2, and the winner, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is a game I think will just get awards on the fact that, fuck, it exists. Uh, yeah, genuinely, like, I don't know whether this will should, like, actually win this. I mean, it should, it's better than Halo Wars 2, don't get me wrong. But is it, like, winning awards because it's genuinely a great strategy game? Because it's a good strategy game, I very yeah. much enjoyed it. Or is it, as you just said, it's like, this thing fucking exists. How? Uh, best fighting game Tekken 7 uh, nominees Tekken 7 Nidhogg 2 Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite Arms was robbed and the winner was Injustice 2 yeah I like Injustice 2 among us. but for a start I I kind of just prefer whoa, whoa. I, I I prefer the, the new Immortal Kombat games to Injustice yeah um, and yeah Arms I say as someone like, who's super into DC comics yeah. I had way more fun playing ARMS. I had more fun with ARMS. I enjoyed the story of Injustice 2, but I enjoyed ARMS. Yeah, so and like more. the general... I mean, I've always preferred the combat of Tekken 7, or the mechanics of Tekken 7 to most yeah. fighting games. Um, but you still bounced off that game pretty... It, it was more just that I platinum it within a week. Really quickly, so, yeah. And I'm not an online fighting kind of guy, yeah. so... Yeah. Uh, I, best... still, I still need to play Nidhogg 2. We still need to play Nidhogg 2. Yeah. Best family game, which is a really interesting category. I think that's a cool thing to be able to put on a box as a video game. Like, if someone's coming in to buy something for their kid for Christmas, you can see it won Best Family what, Game. What is the, like, the guidelines, or what is the the ruling of... No blood or tits, I would imagine, is pretty much around about... 
a game that is rated is it E for everyone is the ESRB Look, rating I have seen some fan fiction for Sonic Mania <laughs> or for Sonic in general alright um, best family game the nominees Splatoon 2 Sonic Mania Kingdom Battle Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and the winner Super Mario Odyssey not really surprising anybody I mean, there I thought you could put a shout out for Wolfenstein but that's just me <laughs> the best VR or AR game Super Hot VR which is apparently awesome and it's like the one VR game I'm really jealous I can't play um, but not enough that I would actually buy a VR headset Star Trek Bridge Crew Lone Echo Farpoint which is that one with the ridiculous plastic rifle that you can yeah. get for uh, PSVR and the winner which I think is fair Resident Evil 7 Biohazard because you can play through the entire campaign of that in VR like you would on yeah, the Yeah and the I, I think the thing is with that as well is the fact that it it's not from what I've, I've read and, and listened to about it is it's not gimmicky like it does actually no, it's pretty it's one to one yeah exactly. what, what vr is meant to be and like horror games are kind of the best genre to use for for vr <laughs> also the worst <laughs> and also the worst depending on your preference um, i love horror games and even i'd think twice yeah and that's the thing like i know a lot of people that are really into horror games that did the Not vr in a million years would you do it oh just <laughs> no. you wouldn't play it on the console fuck no <laughs> uh, but i know people that played it on vr and they were like I have to stop after like half an hour because yeah. it's just it's, it's too that intense. fucking intense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like as well that they just lumped... like camping. It's intense. Yeah, no, I like how <laughs> I like how they lumped VR and AR together as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, best action game: the nominees: Prey, Neo, Destiny Two, Cuphead, and the winner: Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus. I have a feeling that Wolfenstein won that category because it's like Wolfenstein deserves an award, but it doesn't. It's not game of the year. It's not you know this mm. or that uh, here's the best place to put it in because other games in this category like Cuphead for instance get awards elsewhere although like so it says Destiny 2 there but I presume they don't have an award for first person shooters so I guess they just classify first person shooters as action games well, you see it's not just for like it's first and third person because the is default it? view oh. is over the shoulder is it oh yeah. fair enough um where am I going next best handheld game you, you missed two categories did I yeah action adventure and role playing oh, game I did too sorry best role playing game nominees South Park Fractured Butthole Near Automata uh, Final Fantasy 15 Divinity Original Sin 2 and the winner Persona 5 which I have not played because I don't have 200 hours in my life there are some people so. that will tell you that it is the game of the year yeah. including friend of the show Brian Rose yeah they and... will tell you it's not even close yeah. that Persona 5 is game of the year but I just I don't have that commitment it's just not happening I got maybe 20 hours into Persona 4 Golden and I, I was nowhere in terms of completing it and I was like I, I got 10 hours in, into Persona 4 Golden and yeah. I went shrugs emoji so um, I liked it but it was just that like I, I, I it's hard to quantify here but sure. maybe, maybe for another day yeah. best action adventure the nominees Uncharted Lost Legacy Super Mario Odyssey Horizon Zero Dawn uh, Assassin's Creed Origins and the winner Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild I don't think that will surprise anybody uh, best mobile game uh, nominees Super Mario Run Old Man's Journey Hidden Folks Fire Emblem Heroes and the winner Monument Valley 2 which you're a big fan of yeah so well I feel like that one kind of won by default um, I like Monument Valley 2 it really doesn't feel like Super Mario Run was this year no it doesn't does it yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't um, I mean for me my mobile game of the year came out right at the start of the year and that was Rollercoaster Tycoon um, but I, I guess you can see like how that's kind of a port in a way so I can, mm. I can see why he didn't win it um, fuck there was a few other games this year that came out that I really liked but yeah and Fire Emblem Heroes is kind of like the, the new pocket animal uh, the Animal Crossing game where it's just it's a stripped down version of like when you play that you're just like 
I just want to fucking play Fire Emblem on the yeah. DS, you know? Um, uh, and yeah, Super Mario Run was just... There. Again, a stripped down version. Nice. A stripped down version of a game I'd rather <laughs> play somewhere else. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to hit the winners now because I just realized how many categories are still left in this. Sure. Uh, the best handheld game was won by Metroid Samus Returns. Again, by default, because I thought it was merely okay. Mm. I bounced off uh, that. Best indie game, Cuphead. Uh, now, you played Edith Finch. I love Edith Finch so much, man. Edith Finch is a real dark horse for me. I uh, feel like I should play that, maybe. Um, if only I had a PlayStation on which you could play it. Yeah, well... It's very, very good. But again, it's all story. Now, with that said, it's not Cuphead, so... It's not, yes. Um, best ongoing game, won by Overwatch. Uh, games for Impact Award. This is the kind of socially conscious game that tackles real grown-up issues. The one we talked about last year. I think it was either last year or the year before that one. It was That Dragon Cancer. Yeah. Won it. It's the award that's... It's the games, but not for gamers. Yeah, it's the kind of like the games, but not for gameplay, I think is the, the more accurate. It's kind of like weird making this game to have a message in it rather than for it to be fun to play sure. uh, was won by Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice which I'm intrigued to talk about on Game of the Year because Barry is a big fan okay cool and I don't think any of the rest of us have played it uh no um then yeah the best performance then was Melina Jurgens as Senua in Senua's Sacrifice the best score is Nier Automata I yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah, um, you you were strongly in favour of it for a while, it, th- and then I played Cuphead. <laughs> yeah, but with that said, like where where Nia is is good with his music, mm-hmm. it is genuinely like game of the year kind of stuff with yeah. the sound. So sure, I'm not going to argue with that. Best audio design, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. Best art direction, Cuphead. <laughs> which <Yeah>. is yeah, <laughs> come on. Uh, best narrative, What Remains of Edith Finch. I was delighted to see them win something. I I, I see that near. So here's the thing, right? So near absolutely for audio, and then I see near in best narrative, and that can get a fuck. <laughs> uh, best game direction, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. And Game of the Year, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I don't think... I, I think of the the nominees there for Game of the Year, which were Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, PUBG, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and Zelda, I don't think any one of those would have been particularly... I think Persona 5 would have been the curveball of the five, uh, because an American audience awarding Persona 5 Game of the Year would yeah, have been a true. little bit kind of strange, but... Well, I don't know, I feel like Persona is still big enough. Oh, um, it, it is big, but of those, it's the least kind of obvious candidate I think sure. maybe is the way yeah. what I'm looking right. for so yeah that was the the kind of the, the awards portion of the, the, the game of the year uh, or the game awards should I say uh, so then we had some stuff <laughs> uh, a new trailer for Death Stranding so Kojima was all over the show uh, we had the, the trailer we had uh, Kojima came out with Guillermo del Toro at one point to present an award and they kind of they're, they're matey and laughing about with each other and then he came out again after this trailer but with Norman Reedus this time and Norman Reedus uh, buried Konami deep beneath the earth (laughs) where he's just like basically some messed up stuff happened but we're back together again and no one's stopping us this time and this trailer is very much the definition of no one is stopping them yeah (laughs) because this trailer is about eight minutes long nearly um, it's the longest Jeff Keighley was saying it's the longest trailer that's ever been shown at the Game Awards and it is like so when you say bananas there's normal bananas then there's Kojima level bananas and even for Kojima this is the next rank up 
Um, we see more Norman Reedus. Um, there's some weird stuff happening with like there's some really cool effects with like these invisible monsters or whatever they are. And there's rain pouring in the background, but the rain is pouring on top of the invisible creatures so that you can kind of see their silhouette in the rain. Thought that was really cool. There's some mad stuff with people melting into gold when they're touched by the monsters. There's some mad shit with uh, Norman Reedus having a baby in his stomach that gives a thumbs up. That's like going to be a gift forever. Does Kojima not understand how babies work? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, But like what I'm focusing on, like, because Kojima trailers are done to try and make you feel, like, try and confuse the fuck out of you. Like, remember the whole reveal of Metal Gear Solid Five, where he wore the mask and pretended yeah. he wasn't him and there was the flaming whale and the unicorn and stuff like that. Um, so I'm not going in to try, I'm not going to try for a second to figure out what's going oh, on in this that. game because there's not. no point in doing that. There's no even guarantee that what we've just seen will actually be in the game. Um, it could just be a kind of concept thing, but uh, the vibe is what I'm looking at, and the vibe is pretty cool. It looks like it's an action horror game. I, I haven't seen this new trailer yet, but everything that I've seen from Death Stranding gave me a similar feeling to Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. <laughs> uh, there was no Mads Mikkelsen in this one, sadly, because he has been the creepiest thing. Uh, well, he's pretty much the creepiest thing in anything he's in, really. Too busy making Carlsberg adverts at the moment. <laughs> Indeed. They're glorious. They are, in fairness. Uh, <clears throat> A Way Out. You might remember we talked about this at uh, E3. This is the EA indie game. It was about the only thing from that fucking EA conference yeah. that I was like, um, alright. It's like a co-op prison break adventure game. Yeah. Um. So, Joseph Farris, who created this game, was there. He also created, you may remember, uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Yes, because these two games have a, a what looks like a fairly similar mechanic. Mm. Um... So he took to the stage yeah, he did. to share the the release date for the game, which incidentally is the 23rd of March 2018, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Who oh, no. knew? Uh, Joseph Farris went on to basically, the only way I was able to describe it to anyone was that he cut a promo <laughs> on everything. <laughs> Firstly, he was like, fuck the Oscars. He's like, this is way better than the Oscars. Fuck the Oscars. Then he went on Which is say, a bit of a kind of non-sequitur, you know, yeah. like, w- w- yeah. was there any lead-ins? Uh... It was, well, all night, like, Jeff Keighley had said a couple of times about how these are the Oscars of video games. Okay, so I'm thinking right. that's what he said, like, he, Joseph Harris is like, this is better than the Oscars. Fuck <laughs> the Oscars. And literally to the point where he said, fuck the Oscars, threw up the middle finger and went straight into the camera saying, fuck the Oscars. By any chance, was there like a glass shattering in the background? <laughs> then Jeff Keighley asked him to tell us, like, do, what do you have to tell us about your game? And he's like my friend if the whole world turns to me and says your game is shit I will say no <laughs> because that is how much I believe in my game which is amazing and he's just like I'm so excited and then before he goes on the best part of the rant he explains I'm a little jet lagged that's why I'm very excited <laughs> or something to that effect um, then he goes <laughs> this is the greatest considering the context of recent events it doesn't have anything to do with the EA shit that's going on with loot boxes and stuff. He continued, like, Jeff Keighley awkwardly laughing, the crowd pissing themselves, <laughs> laughing at him. Um, EA has been very good to me. All publishers fuck up sometimes. That's just how it is. But he's basically going, yeah, my, my game does not have any of this bullshit. <laughs> it's like, fuck all this. I mean, when we get to the point where, like, 20 quid indie games start having loot boxes, then yeah. we know we've really gone down a dark path. Some, someone was saying on Twitter that there was actually, like, a, a, like a, a press kit that came out around this game. Uh, or some sort of internal document for me. A document came out, anyway, at some point that uh, game journalists got their hands on. That basically, in summation, said... 
Joseph Farris is great for PR, but we don't want him representing our company. <laughs> like, he generates headlines by himself, but he's also just an unpredictable madman. Yeah. Um, he's Good. fantastic. He used to be a Good. film director. He directed like six or seven films. Huh. Uh, I was trying to look up who this madman is, was. But, um, you know what I like about also, that? Also, the characters in the game, I believe, are modelled after him and his brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them does look very familiar. Um, I like that he's a film director in a way that David Cage wants to be, but never will be, because mm. he's terrible. Um, the the man whose name I can't remember, uh, oh Harada yeah Katsuhiro Harada uh, from Bandai Namco came out uh, on stage the 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 madman behind Tekken who you often see in a kimono and sunglasses in Los Angeles in the middle of the summer at E3 yeah uh, sure he came out and he was talking away about video games and said that we have one more thing uh, the return of a much loved franchise and said do your souls still burn hey. and we got a fucking Soul Calibur 6 trailer with the original voice guy from yeah. the Soul Calibur uh, series uh, I, I really like the Soul Calibur games yeah I've, man Soul Calibur 2 is the I've shit I've always enjoyed them yeah um, so that's cool um, I don't think we have uh, like I think it's just an, it's in development um, I don't know if we'll um Oh, it's due out in 2018. There you go. I, cool. I, I couldn't remember if that was one of the ones. Um, here was a cool thing. So um, the the guy who designed Zelda came on stage to in like Link's blue tunic from the game. Did he come out and say, yeah, I fucking did a good one, didn't he I? He didn't say anything. He came out to Zelda music and with the master sword dressed as Link and then put the, the sword in. And then they did this big multimedia thing, which is... Um, there's a thing towards the end of the game that involves shooting lights at a location. Mm-hmm. So they recreate that a little bit, and then it goes into this cutscene, which is the the ballad, the champion's ballad, which is the long foretold um, story expansion to Breath of the Wild, and it's basically like there are a bunch more shrines. Um, there's this incredibly difficult because I've played it a little bit. There's this incredibly difficult thing uh, this quest that is kind of a backstory to the four champions who tried to defeat Ganon a hundred years prior to the events of Breath of the Wild Mm -hmm. you get this uh, weapon that looks like a a short-handled trident in the trailer Um, it's called the One Hit Obliterator which is the (laughs) best fucking name (laughs) I've ever heard of but that sounds like a weapon that Id would make so it will kill anything in the game in one shot okay but Does it have a cooldown of like four hours? You can only use it twice before it goes on like a three to five minute cooldown. I can't remember which it is. All right. And after that, it's just a... Da- I think it has damage of about 30 or something like that. The other wrinkle is that you can't unequip it and switch weapons while you're doing the quest. So if you're holding the obliterator and doing the quest, you have to only use the obliterator and your bow and arrow. Um, but it also puts you down to a quarter heart. So Jesus. if anything hits you, yeah, you're you're dead. Yeah. So within okay. the original plateau that the game starts on, uh-huh. four trials open up, right. and each one of them requires you, to some extent or another. I've only started doing one. To some extent or another, wade through a mob of enemies. Once you kill all of them, not just get through them to get somewhere, you have to kill all of them, and there are varying strengths. A shrine opens. The shrine is one of the advanced combat shrines. Once you destroy that guardian that's in there, you go to where you normally would get the um the oh, what's the name of them? the soul thing spirit the spirit orb, orb spirit yeah. orb that's it um and instead a trapdoor opens behind you to a much harder 
kind of shrine gauntlet and I don't even know if that's the end of it because I'm still on that bit because there's a bit where I walked into this particular shrine I won't tell you which one it is and I walked out three guardians (laughs) and all of them fired at me so I think I need to uh, that just sounds awful I think I need to go find some guardians and master because I was getting really good at the parry to destroy them so you can still hold your shield so you can still parry but obviously unless you parry you will still take damage Mm -hmm. from being hit by a guardian um, so they did that. The trailer ends. Then all of a sudden, you hear the sound of a motorbike. <laughs> Have you seen this? I've not. No. <laughs> so Link's on a motorbike now. <laughs> oh, one of the one of the other things. I mean, I played Mario Kart. One of the other things that's in this um, the DLC as well is that you can get legendary horse armor that allows you to teleport your horse to you wherever you are, which is something that annoyed the shit out of me. I couldn't <laughs> do in the first ninety five hours I played this uh-huh. game. So now if you get the legendary horse armor, your horse, my horse is called George, uh, you can just kind of press a button and George will come to you, which is fantastic. Um, But yeah, so this motorcycle, you have to do a big quest to unlock what is called the Master Cycle Zero. And it is basically, imagine Epona, if Epona was black, and a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) And it seems to be really cool, like traversing ground quickly so I'm definitely going to do that pops up as a side quest because yeah because when I think about Breath of the Wild and the general tone of that game I definitely think about Link in some leathers so I, so I heard it I was like this is amazing <laughs> but like not in a oh this is ruined the game sort no, of no. just like this is perfect I think the only thing left is we need like a, a dune buggy to go around the, yeah. the desert in- like because there is there's nothing quite to the extent of a motorcycle but there are some things in that game you do in side quests where you're like this is fucking mad yeah like that guy who designs your house that's a little bit weird uh-huh. you know and the, the things he says yeah. and then how that then designing your house leads into like a building several a ci- hour long side quest of building a city yeah. yeah it's a natural like yeah. chain of steps yeah yeah just cause your man fucks off for a while you have to go find them like and he's like oh he's building a town how do you think Rome was built yeah exactly exactly um, but yeah then at the very end of the trailer it goes oh it's out today <laughs> <laughs> and the internet whoa do you know what I gen- I think that is the best way to like, drop DLC so, well, definitely for DLC um, but even for like smaller games like yeah, if you not why you've got, why you've got that many eyes on you just be like boom game drops there yeah. go just again don't ask the Sega Saturn no, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's cool. Enjoying it so far. Uh, there's plenty of different side quests after bundling into it, so I'll, I'll give an update on that at some stage. Campo Santo unveiled their new game. Uh, these are the the people behind Firewatch, uh, former people at Telltale when Telltale made Walking Dead season one, but they went on to make Firewatch, which we enjoyed quite a deal. Uh, and now they're making what looks like, and I would urge you to look up this trailer, Mark. It looks really cool. The music is banging in it. It's called In the Valley of the Gods. Uh, and it's basically, uh, you seem to be some sort of um, archaeologist or photographer exploring ruins around Egypt. Is it the sequel to Inca? If only. <laughs> Get that pan flute solo <laughs> Um and you kind of like your your MacGuffin in that the thing you're like whether it's the main thrust of the game or it's just one of the things you do in the game is to try and get to an objective point the the thing they show in the cutscene is they get to an objective point to take a picture at a perfect moment so they they or is it Pokemon Snap well they they again that might not be the whole thing but that's just the thing they showed in the trailer to get the kind of the, the vibe going they climb up through all these like they solve a bunch of puzzles to get up through a ruin and then they're up on a platform just as the sun rises to get a perfect photo of the sun rising between the ears of Anubis uh, so it looks pretty cool the protagonists are two black women 
by the looks of it, which is great. You don't fucking see that every day of the week or pretty much any day of the week, really, in video games. So uh, that is going to be out early 2019. Sadly, we won't get that next year, but uh, at least we're being honest and not pretending it's going to be out next year. Here's one that'll perk Mark up. There was a Bayonetta Bonanza. Yeah, the fucking announced. was. So fucking Reggie rocks up. <laughs> Love Reggie. Uh, and they uh, showed a trailer for Bayonetta 1 and 2, the combined set like they did on Wii U. It's all coming to uh, Nintendo Switch, and it's coming like early next year, I think, Bayonetta 1 and 2. I am going to have to get a Pro Controller. Yeah. Because um, my least favourite thing about the Switch is the Joy-Con controllers. Mm-hmm. Um and there's no fucking way I can play Bayonetta with those Joy-Con controllers. Pro controller is so good. It's a really good controller. I've only briefly used it, um, um, but I definitely, definitely be playing Bayonetta. But then the uh, Jeff Jeff Keighley thanks Reggie and says, uh, you know, it's, we appreciate Nintendo's long association with the Game Awards. Uh, we look forward to playing Bayonetta one and two. <laughs> and of course, Reggie stops him and said, "Did you think that was it?" <laughs> like he proper hams it up and he goes. Of course, we Why have. Why no? He goes, we have just one more thing. And then he does the... <laughs> but it's brilliant because the VT guy completely mistimes it. So Reggie hits the click and there's like a second of him staring down the screen. And then the Nintendo Switch symbol oh, comes up. God bless Reggie. And what it reveals is Bayonetta 3 is coming. It's being developed exclusively for the Switch. I, I did not think it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, fucking amazing. Like, Well, I, you know, actually, fuck it. If... Nintendo took a chance on Bayonetta 2 on a dead co- uh, platform. Yeah, this one's alive and kicking. So, it, fuck it, why not? By the time this will come out, it'll probably have doubled the sales of the Wii U yeah, and then so, some. Because actually, we don't know when it's going to be out. It, it makes a lot more sense than Bayonetta 2. So yeah, sure. so they've, right. he's kind of as part of that reveal as well, said that Platinum Games and Nintendo have like a you know a very strong relationship and we're looking to bring more Platinum titles to the platform. Well, yeah, or did, was it Wonderful, Wonderful 101? 101? Yeah. yeah um, I like that a lot. It's weird, but I liked it. Yeah, so... Sure, sure. Moving on. Um, sadly, Stardew Valley's multiplayer beta is going to be delayed until 2018. I'm not surprised by that. Um, um, publisher Chucklefist announced this in a blog post uh, when he offered the first details of the hugely popular Village Life Sims long-awaited multiplayer mode back in August. It said that he hoped to begin beta testing the feature on PC by the end of the year. This, however, just wasn't to be, and the multiplayer beta has now been pushed back to... Qu- quarter one 2018 in order to make room for polish and quality assessment yeah i mean from everything i read about um i can't remember his name what the hell is his name the developer no it's gone um but everything about his section in blood sweat and pixels Mm -hmm. uh, i'm not surprised that he doesn't want to release this um until it is exactly what he wants it to be the problem is is he's still trying to decide exactly what he wants the multiplayer to be um which is a you know conflict of interest he also shared a uh, a new screenshot uh from what looks like uh, people have suspected it's either inside that purple boat that we saw in the last uh, screenshot do you know the one that was down on the seaside yeah uh or it's in a submarine because you are in a room uh that has glass walls all around you and it's the seabed around you 
and there's a massive pool at the bottom so presumably there's like new fish down at the sea floor that you get to fish and there's some other character there on the controls in whatever room this is while you're fishing um so just a little bit of a teaser for people uh the final bit of news for this week is that um also at the game awards we got to see another trailer for sea of thieves the the rare game the the kind of co-op pirate i thought you said the rare game that xbox is releasing (laughs) yeah well that too um and we now know it will be out on the 20th of march 2018 must really suck for xbox that they just missed the xbox one x coming out by four months um it's fine they got cuphead yeah that's true um so yeah it's a 20th of march 2018 uh, are you kind of like me on that mark where you heard of sea of thieves rare and you were kind of interested and then the more i've seen of it the less interested i am because the more i realize it's reliant on playing with lots of people online the less into it i am i i mean i kind of lost interest around the time they went microsoft exclusive hey, so here he is um yeah but um but also yes like yeah. it's basically a mobile and yeah if yeah. it was one thing where like i could you know maybe two people could do it i'd be like all right okay maybe i'll look into it but no because i don't really know that many people that have xboxes um so it would make it very difficult for me to play an online game without talking to strangers yes. and strangers suck <laughs> anyway that's uh, gonna do it for the news this week let's move on to the link to the cast book club where we talk about a, a significant game from the past that either you should play for the first time if you never have before or play again if it's been a while this week is uh, a casual gaming phenomenon something that uh, we talked already about nintendo's resurgence this year but a game that was responsible for a major fucking surge in popularity for nintendo um back in 2006 and that game is wii sports The 2006 sports video game developed and published by Nintendo as a launch title for the Wii video game console. The game was first released in North America along with the Wii on November 19th, 2006 and was released in Japan, Australia and Europe the following month. It was included as a pack-in game with the Wii console in all territories except Japan and South Korea, making it the first game included with the launch of a Nintendo system since Mario's Tennis for the Virtual Boy in 1995. <laughs> Oh, what glorious company you're in. Wii Sports is now available on its own as part of the Nintendo Select collection of games and is no longer a pack-in game for the Wii. Right. Mark, before we kind of talk about... So I want to talk about one thing before I move into the Nintendo of it all. And that is the the concept of um, the pack-in game. Um... Where do you stand in the, the history? Do you have any memories of the concept of a packing game, getting a packing game with a console you bought or anything like well, that? I mean, I what are a, your thoughts on the concept of a packing game? Well, I had a Master well. System, so I had a built-in game. Indeed, indeed. So, um, 
But yeah, I mean, obviously, if you buy a console, what do you need with it? You need games. Um, so that's a good thing. And especially yeah. when you have, I don't know, say like Mario 64 and an N64. Yeah. That's a good combination. Yeah. Um, my most recent one, uh, I bought a Switch and that came with uh, Splatoon, Splatoon 2, 2 download already download. downloaded. Yeah. That fucking, that's good for me. Yeah. Um, so, so now the trend is more those kind of bundles where it's like what the console would cost plus a bit of additional money for a full retail game digitally yeah. downloaded when you when you get it. Now, here's the thing, though. Yeah. Wii Sports is such a, a unique game when it comes to a built-in game with a, a console mm-hmm. because no other, other game we could talk about associated with a console is designed specifically to teach you how to use that console yeah. and those controls. This is the thing. So, like, Alex Kidd is, the, the, like you said, Alex Kidd Miracle World, which is a previous book club on the show, was a packing game for the Master System we both enjoyed. Um, the PlayStation consoles used to come with big demo discs of a bunch of stuff that's forthcoming, which I think is, is still a very clever idea. Mm-hmm. So here's the stuff that's coming on the horizon, wet the appetite, and if you know, maybe if you're someone who can't really afford to get a retail game straight away, here, it's something out of the box here's to play a little bit of crash. everything. Yeah. So that's pretty clever. Um, it's kind of, like I said, gone by the wayside in favour of these bundles where they try to, at a slightly reduced price, sell you a, a pack-in retail game at launch. But uh, like you said, the Nintendo were coming off the back of the GameCube, which, while I think is a a cult success, I think the GameCube has a lot of fans. I think, that, uh, unless I'm wrong, the two of us are included in that. Yeah, we're both fans of the GameCube. Yeah, of course. Um, oh yeah, sure. You're the Double Dash guy. Yeah, Sally, come on now. <laughs> um, so we were both great fans of it, but I, I, it was still part of the overall trend in declining sales for Nintendo that had started on the, the Nintendo 64. The, 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 the 2000s were not the best times for Nintendo. Up <laughs> until, until a point. <laughs> yeah. Up until a point. Um, so it was important with the losing ground in the market share. They, they were losing to PlayStation. PlayStation were about to bring out the PlayStation 3 that would cost a million euro. Um, and the Xbox were also bringing out their Xbox 360. So it this was, I think, the start of the 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 firm realization in Nintendo that they weren't going to match those other two for power or fidelity or even mind share in the market anymore. So they needed to think even further outside the box than usual. And the I've, way... I've gone with the more direct approach of uh, this is around the time Nintendo stopped giving a fuck. Yeah, yeah. This is real crazy toy maker stuff. Uh, they, uh, the motion control uh, revolution started here. Uh, they had this technology that they may or may not have cribbed off somebody else as there was a major lawsuit about the motion control patent. Um, but once they had that technology in their hands, they leaned very hard into it. Because one thing you can say about Nintendo, for good or for ill, is that when they have an idea, they fucking run with it. Um, so out came this strange little box with these very, very strange little nunchuck controllers and this very strange little kind of almost teardrop-shaped uh, analog stick controller as well. Uh, and like you said, uh, because the form factor of the console was so different from what we expected. Like, all standard video game controllers are variations on a theme at this point, and Nintendo did not agree. <laughs> yeah, at this point, like, all... Everything you knew about playing a video game, all conventions went out the window. Other than you press start to boot the console up, after that, 
you know, immediately you realise, oh wait, this is more akin to a TV remote than it is an actual controller, you know? Yeah. And uh, I remember, like, when I got it, and I knew that, okay, this is this is a different type of console, this is, Nintendo have gone fucking way out with how this is going to control and how you handle it, and I remember just, I had this controller in my hand, and mm. I was, you know, pointing at the screen yeah. like a cursor, yeah. and I was just like... What? Or pointing at the screen and cursing. Well, and cursing as well, because, you know, <laughs> as you try to figure out where you need to put the center bar mm. above or below the TV. And uh, and that, that does take a little bit of time to kind of get used to, to kind it's of rewire to, yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's retraining yourself. Like, for people who only play one console, they don't really understand that, like, switching between something as simple as when I switch between my Xbox and my Switch the A and B buttons are not in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> a, B, X, Y are orientated differently between uh, Xbox and Nintendo. Something that frustrates me to this day. Uh, the same goes for square, circle, triangle, and X. Um, so there's a little bit of rewiring there. So when you're going completely off the grid and doing something like this, it does require a bunch of retraining. And, and Wii Sports was the game that was partly designed to be a fun, kind of family-friendly thing that people could pick up and play. But also, as you said, to to train people to play the console. And um, the five sports included in the game were uh, tennis, baseball, bowling, golf, and boxing. So a kind of nice variation. If you think about the, the motions and actions that are required in each of those sports, there was different um, uses of the buttons and the motion that were intended uh, to try and get you just familiar with how you would be playing every game, presumably on this console going forward. Tell me about, um, because I'm well known on this show for this being the one Nintendo generation in my lifetime that I skipped buying. Um, so all my experiences of the Wii are in for are in the scenario under which the Wii would become well known for, and that's cracking it out when there's a bunch of people around. So tell me about your jump on point with the Wii. Do you remember? Sorry, do you remember the hype for the Wii coming out and then what was your jump on point? I don't remember necessarily the hype for the Wii. I mean, I got it because um, basically I was getting that in Twilight Princess. Yeah. Um, because I I didn't have a GameCube at that point, so I didn't have the GameCube version of Twilight Princess, but I obviously wanted to play the next um the next zelda game yeah so um in hindsight would you have been in such a rush i, I like twilight yeah. princess you're one I of the, like it's very it's a very marmite game it is yeah. um although i do prefer playing the gamecube version in in hindsight yeah um and is, but, is but, it the sorry to, to derail you again is it the wee one that flips yes. his sword arm that pissed everyone off yeah well because <laughs> because Link the way you hold it yeah so yeah they basically had to flip the entire yeah, yeah but anyway anyway um so you know i was gonna get it it was a little bit less expensive than the other um consoles i can't remember if i had the 360 before i can't remember where the the timelines match up but i knew that i was gonna get this and i knew that by the looks of it it was going to be very much a kind of family oriented 
uh, console. Yeah. And so my intention was that I was going to have this downstairs in the living room, which mm-hmm. was not anything that I'd ever done before, because I thought, oh, this is something that I could possibly have that I could use with like my nan. She'd seen commercials for We Fit, so she thought that, oh, that's a thing. The that... other, I think, the one-two punch, really. Yeah. So we were like, oh no, we're in agreement here that this would be a really cool thing. Um, also, so this came out the year before I started university, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, most of the people that I, I talked to at university, we were had Wii's because, you know, this was just a really different, new, exciting form of, of video game technology, basically. Yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, buying my console and, and it coming with Wii Sports. And I remember, um, I can't remember the first time that I played it, but I do remember that I had played it a little bit before I introduced it to my grandparents uh, at Christmas. And and the family at whole. And I remember um, I immediately got into bowling because it was the least kind of Twitch-based type of... Uh, it was the most obvious movement to make because yeah. you could play the bowling game like you was actually bowling a ball. Yeah. And, it wasn't... and everyone knows how to play bowling. There's exactly. not much to it. And it wasn't Twitch-based in the way that, that tennis is. And it, it seemed like it was also the one that least likely seemed that a, a controller was going to go flying through a window. Which also became a serious concern. Yes, it did. Which is why they put pretty much after... But before every single uh, round of anything, please strap the fucking... A little screen you straps. couldn't skip. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that... For the first time, you know, trying to explain how to play a video game to someone who doesn't play video games yeah. was a very simple process. Yeah. Because all I had to explain, and you know, Nintendo are sometimes to a fault so intent on making something as, as simplistic as possible. You yeah. know, you look at the design layout, there's just a big circle button on the front of that controller that says A. There's a back trigger on the back, you know, uh, called B. That's it. And then you've got a plus and a minus, which was a new uh, uh, implementation to the controls. And it kept it simple. You know, no shoulder buttons, no nothing. You had the nunchucks as well if needed be. Uh, yeah. And being able to explain to my nan, okay, it's bowling. You play it like bowling. You know, you swing your arm back, you swing it forward, you're holding onto the B-trigger underneath, and you let go of the B-trigger at the right time. If you curve like you would curve a bowling ball it will curve that like that way as well yeah the harder you swing the far quicker the ball is going to go and it took a couple of goes but before soon i was playing a video game with my nan yeah which is not a thing that i'd ever done before yeah you weren't sitting down cracking open some beers and playing demon souls i was not playing demon souls with my nan that's never a thing <laughs> that i've done and that is the like i can imagine Nintendo sitting around their board meeting or whatever their their um, research and development meeting when it comes to this and it's like what do we want to achieve here it's like well we want someone who very much is into video games to be able to play this with someone who's very much not into video games yeah. and find that that kind of meeting point and that is what they achieved with with Wii Sports now yeah. where did you come into Wii so, Sports so like I said this was the one generation of um. 
this was around the time 2006 through about 2009 was around the time I was playing the video game as the least in my life because I was coming towards the end of secondary school and starting university and between both the the the, the stress and the the work involved in both of those things and shall we say the the social aspects of being in university my obsessive video game playing uh, went through the floor whereas my uh, my expenditure on alcohol went through the roof <laughs> um so it was really my PS3, which I got. Um, I actually bought my my PS3 with my um, my money when I I, I I quit a job in in college because it was shite. Um, the money they gave me that they owed me in holiday was like, oh well, that's enough for a PS3. So PS3 was what I played. Wait, they gave you like two thousand euros for a PS3? I, I know, right? Um, so I I had my PS3 and the perception among my friends at the time. Uh, none of them got a Wii U at first because their thing was you've encountered I'm sure before as an enthusiast for Nintendo that Nintendo is for babies it is a kids console that is what it's for you can't get a fucking Call of Duty on a Nintendo can you you know that kind Which of stuff you can, you can. <laughs> but you know in their mind the yeah. two were not uh, synonymous with one another sure so um, I didn't encounter one for a long time. I am only now in a position where I can afford multiple consoles in a generation, should I so wish. Uh, at the time, it was pretty much just like when I was a kid. If I bought the PlayStation, I had to commit to the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Months and months and months pass, and I am in my uncle's, who lives not too far from here. And they had a Wii out. And I thought, this is a very curious little thing. I haven't had my hands on it, but it's been a long time since I played Nintendo. Because I'd also long since packaged up my GameCube when I when I moved out of home for college. Um, So, I play this thing, and I'm just like... The incredible thing about it, like you said, is how I had never touched one of these things before. And from the the process of walking in and picking up the controller to when I was playing it competitively was only a couple of minutes uh, with other people. And I was playing it with like my, my auntie and my uncle who are in their fifties. And my, even my grandmother had a go uh, who has since passed, but she was at the time in her mid eighties and she got it. <laughs> you know, this is a woman who was born the year of the fucking wall street crash. <laughs> so <laughs> like, um, or no, before it, before it, um, but yeah, so like the fact that someone uh, of those advanced years can figure out a video game like that is, is testament to it. And it wasn't until a long time after that I kind of ruminated on it that I realized this is just a killer app. It's just a brilliant idea. And I think like the, the, the triumvirate of things that made the Wii U event, or not the Wii U, sorry, the Wii eventually just commonplace in people's houses was Wii Sports being an, such an easy party game, all ages. Um, we fit for the mothers trying to stay fit around the house during the day it's incredible you just get your balance board put it in front of the tv boom and then the third one was netflix yeah a lot of people to this day have their Wii as their netflix machine (laughs) which is incredible still Um, um but yeah so i i play this game um I started off as well with, with the bowling. Again, it's the easiest entry-level one. You work your way up to stuff like tennis, which is more uh, aggressive and animated, shall we say. And uh, even though the the controls aren't that much more complex, like it is just swing at the fucking ball, you know? Uh, you press the button to release, don't you? And yeah. then you swing, and then it's pretty much straightforward from that. But there is a kind of... 
there is a learning curve with the rhythm of when you should swing in that game, much like there is with real tennis. And let me tell you, right, there was a period of time where I was playing nothing but Wii U bowling because I wanted that perfect score. (laughs) Let me tell you, I came close on a few occasions. Um, Yeah, tell you what, when you talk about like most like uh, satisfying moments in video games, Mm. I will genuinely say getting a strike in Wii bowling is one of those moments. Yeah. Um, Yeah, just... (laughs) I remember... I remember the feeling as well of we we did eventually move on to to tennis, uh, and and my nan bless her would would get overexcited and would start yelling and screaming because she couldn't figure out like the timing of hitting the ball over the net, and like I never we tennis never became like for me when it comes to tennis games it's it's Mario tennis on on the N sixty four or nothing. Um. But there still is that kind of feeling of you know two people standing in a living room swinging uh, a screen, um, hopefully not throwing a controller over the, through the TV screen. Yeah. Um, but that kind of competitive level, you know, and that extended onto to boxing as well, which was obviously the origins of arms when you think yeah, about it. Damn right. <laughs> and so then, if that's all the Wii was for, then it's worth it. And and then there was was Wii Golf, which. Yeah. I think out of all of them was actually surprisingly the one that didn't work the best in execution because yeah. I would find a lot of the time that for some reason aiming it might just be my controller but aiming downwards would throw the controller part out of, of it sync. could be the fact that like yeah pointing it's it's the one where you're most regularly not pointing it at the sensor bar yeah yeah you're pointing um, it's it kind of like remember the problem we talked about with the switch where like if you had it blocked the, sure. the IR receiver blocked or the bluetooth receiver blocked uh, for a while it would just desync mm. so it could be a similar kind of thing that it needs pretty much regular contact which you will get like with the racket you're swinging it at the thing the whole time uh, with the bowling you're always throwing it up um yeah. With Wii Sports, uh, did you have many uh, accidents with flying controllers? No, surprisingly, actually. Um, I took um, out a picture frame in my first session. I Was it... Just bowled it straight in. I'm trying spare, to though. remember. I do remember Jack flinging something across the living room <laughs> once. I don't know if it was a Wii Was controller. it you because you sassed him? No, it was probably me because I beat him. <laughs> Um, oh, I don't remember what it was, but he did fling something. It might have been a guitar, actually. Who knows? Could have been a controller. Could have been a guitar. Um, Wii controller, guitar—they all look the same, don't they? But you know, because that that became part of the the ritual of like if we had a big big get together, um, whether it was Guitar Hero or it was um, uh, Tekken bowling for a time, but that mm. was like a few years earlier. Or, like, usually we'd be playing, like, Mario Kart 64, Mario Tennis, Pokemon Stadium, whatever. But the Wii Sports game was part of that as well. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, you could have, like, five people in the room, and you only need one controller. It's just so... It's from that same kind of, like... Again, we keep hitting it, but it's, like, Jackbox is now, where it's, like... It takes 30 seconds to explain how that works. (laughs) Exactly. You know? Um, So, yeah, that's that's what made it an absolute killer, and... One of the things that goes underrated in making games and uh, consoles popular is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And the idea that it would become such a popular thing is like, you know, you might go over to someone's house and they have a Wii and you've never played it before. And an hour into Wii Sports, and you're like, I need to get my hands on one of these. And you look up and it's cheaper than the other consoles. 
uh, and that price just kept coming down with 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 real regularity to the point there like just before the Wii, like around the time the Wii U came out, it was at what was frankly like an obscene price. What did they? It was one of the redesigns of the Wii that at one point was eighty euro, brand new. That was the the one that they released only in Canada, I think, like the red Wii or something. There, there was, like was a Wii one here that was black with red lining that came out here. Oh, was there? And it was like eighty euro. I, I remember there was like point. some weird fucking thing that they released in like Canada only and was like. Oh, I, yeah, I think we covered that. Yeah, like, I, I think, think yeah, that they released that long after the Wii U was already out. It was sure. like what the fuck? Yeah. But um, that was another Nintendo doing a Nintendo. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, an insanely popular machine, and I don't think I really don't think the Wii would have been half the success it was had this not been with it at the start. No, if people just played it at someone's house and didn't get it straight away, that would be the lasting impression you had. Yeah, like as much as I adore uh, Super Mario Galaxy, yeah. I'm not going to sit there with my nan. I could, she could point at the screen with the second controller and collect all the star bits, mm-hmm. but. There's not the same level of engagement and, and yeah. whatnot that there was yeah. with Wii Sports. The one thing I was going to say to you, and maybe you wouldn't be as aware of this because you didn't have the, the kind of console at the time, but Nintendo, um, they hit an absolute just goldmine with with Wii, uh, Wii Sports. They then tried to replicate this with Wii Sports Resort, Wii Sports Resort, Wii Music, Mm-hmm. To a certain degree, we should. There was still maybe. a Wii Music channel on the Wii U automatically installed yeah. when you got it, and none of those could ever reach the the heights of Wii yeah, Sports. It was lightning in a bottle. It was at, that was the phrase I was looking for. Lightning in the bottle. Now, part of the problem is that while there was the the kind of like a, a simplicity to Wii Sports. Uh, Wii Music went too far in that direction of <laughs> yeah. simplicity to like, okay, this is like nursery level. Your three-year-old is coming out saying like Mozart. That's how easy they made it. Exactly. Um, and then Wii Sports Resort. And there was one other one as well. They remade it as Wii Sports Club for the Wii U. They I feel made a deluxe edition. I feel like there was like um, something that wasn't, it wasn't kind of sports related, but was like a bunch of mini games as well. I can't remember what that was. WarioWare? No, they no, did, they it did was, a WarioWare. It was just like a Wii Play or or something, mm. um, but yeah, none of them ever hit that kind of lightning in the bottle in the same way that Wii Sports did. And yeah, because I, I think Sports it was a case of like, we don't need to improve anything. Exactly, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like you're trying to fix something that isn't broken. Yeah, People yeah, were yeah. still buying Wii Sports. There was no real need, but they kept trying. Um, which is funny, like when you look at just to close this segment out, like the the critical reception. I, I don't think really like I, I don't think when you were on the ground at the time when it came out that immediately it was obvious to you what a phenomenon this game would be because the best way I can describe the, the scores across the board here are yes it's good like the thing is about Wii Sports though is because like it's it's hard to kind of like fully classify it as, as kind of a quote unquote game yeah by the standards of what we come to understand as a first party game in 2006 this was not that because in terms of the content there's fuck all there yeah you know um, it's it's a training like exercise uh, piece of software for yeah. you know if they either called it like here's how to they I don't know what name they would call it but basically here's how to use the Wii <laughs> It's not quite as catchy as Wii Sports. It's not, exactly. But that is basically what Wii Sports is. Um, So kind of, like, reviewing it as a game is kind of difficult with this one. Yeah, so, like, it's wild a couple of the things. So we've got... um, 
game rankings uh, the aggregate is 76 same with metacritic which yeah sure uh one up gave it a c plus um all game three and a half stars cvg seven out of ten Eurogamer went eight out of ten game informer 6.5 out of ten um game wait is that out of five though i said out of ten no but you said 6.5 i'm thinking that would be out of five oh no it's it's out of ten they melted it yeah, yeah. There, yeah, we yeah. Okay. Um, Game Pro gave it 4.25 out of 5 because <laughs> Game Pro were just going a different way at the time tell you what right um, 7.5 out of 10 from IGN and uh, Official Nintendo Magazine gave it 90% strange how oh, I know, Official right. Nintendo Magazine that. might skew the first party mm, stuff interesting but uh, yeah that's that's Wii Sports the best elevator pitch I can come up with for that game is probably um if you enjoy playing video games, you enjoy playing party video games, but you don't necessarily have enough people uh, your age who want to play them, and with Christmas coming up, if you have a Wii that you can dust off and get yourself some Wii Sports, um, it is a game that you can, within a few seconds, be playing an active party of and not have to go through, okay, everyone take out your notepads, here's the tutorial on how to play this game. Um, it is simple, it is fast, it is fun, um all ages you can children can play old people can play anyone in between um i got a quicker pitch for you yeah go on did you play a wii you've played wii <laughs> yeah, yeah you probably have yeah you either have or you did like <laughs> i did with heavenly sword where i got that on my ps3 and literally never opened it you fucking got heavenly sword it came with it oh uh, i suppose it did yeah yeah there was that i had was... well the, was... the bundles they were offering i got heavenly sword i think i talked about this a while ago i got heavenly sword resistance and because the guy who uh, was working the counter that day, had no idea what he was doing. I got Guitar Hero 3. Strong. <laughs> As my third pack of game, even though it was 50 quid more than the there other was, games. There was Heavenly Sword, and then there was that game with the dragons that ran at about six frames per second. <laughs> I do not remember that one. Though. Well, there's, there's also every, a lot of people got uh, was Motocross came out. Uh, oh, yeah, as well. probably some fucking yeah. racing game. But uh, yeah, that's, that's Wii Sports. Ah, cool. Uh, one last bit of business, and that's to talk about next week. Uh, as we said, uh, during the news segment, we're not actually going to have a proper show next week because it's Christmas week, uh, and we'll have really long Game of the Year podcasts coming out the following week in between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, there's going to be so much talking. Um, so next week, to be easy on us and to be easy on your ears, we're going to do a mini-sode where we're just going to talk about Nintendo's 2017 as a kind of special Inside Look book club. Um, we're going to talk about that they had an alright year. Yeah, because it doesn't really fit into our awards show, um, the Nintendo Switch itself and Nintendo as a company. But I think it definitely is worth talking about their their business from a bunch of different aspects. Just getting a bit of a deep dive while we have the chance. We might talk about what we've been playing if I fucking get a PlayStation back by then. I am not going to be able to play anything. Yeah, so it may just be Nintendo. There may be a little bit of chatter. We don't know. It'll be a smaller episode than usual, maybe about an hour or so. Possibly by this time next week, all you'll be getting at me is like a low intense humming. You'll definitely have, um, by the end of, you may hear deep sighs of relief by the time we finish recording that one, because I think that will be the last thing we record in 2017. Uh, There's a possible... Good chance. Um, The way the schedule's working now, it will be. We've got, we're recording Game of the Year over the next week or so, so have mercy on our souls. (laughs) ladies and gentlemen this has been episode 95 of link to the cast this podcast is available on soundcloud itunes uh, most podcasting platforms if you just search for link to the cast subscribe rate review tell a friend it all helps we we really appreciate the kind of feedback we get and people subscribing and telling a few mates uh, that there's 
this these two fucking Egypts are talking about video games for a while every week uh, the website is linked to the cast.eu if you want to get in touch with us the email address is linked to the cast at gmail.com but social media the quickest way to both contact us and to keep up with what we're doing that's facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and at link to the cast on twitter individually i'm at dave ryan iv and mark is at lithium project we did stream video games for quite some time over i'm glad we finally got some past tense for that slash link to the cast but uh we're uh, shall we say on hiatus until maybe something interesting that we decide we want to stream comes out or maybe you know when i'm unemployed again we are our caprice and whimsy knows no bounds so you never know when we might pop up on twitch so add us there uh but we have plenty of archive content on youtube just search for link to the cast on there um and yeah, that's going to do it for episode 95 of Link to the Cast. I've been Dave Ryan. The man over there throwing up gang signs to beat the band is Festive Mark Robinson. We shall see you all next week. Happy Christmas shopping.